let's turn to more serious affairs. And on W5 tomorrow, TSN's Rick Westhead has a special investigative report, and it delves into the mystery of what happened to a 17-year-old hockey player with the Oakville Rangers, uh, died suddenly in 2019 at a preseason game. Here's just a portion of Rick's report. This shouldn't happen to any parent. This is the worst thing. It's like beyond the worst thing that could happen. But I mean, you have to think that these are just, these are just boys. And, and this isn't a culture that should have been allowed to thrive. Ben's parents later learned there was a party at the camp with drinking and drugs. And a maze where in the previous year, rookies were chased by the seniors, naked, in a game of manhunt. Rick Westhead is with us now to tell us more about this mystery and this tragic story. Rick, always a pleasure. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning, John. All right. Well, let's start by setting the table with what we we did know before you began this investigation. We didn't know much about it because this was not in the public eye. Um, You know, like many stories start, the origin story for this was with somebody calling and giving me a tip that I needed to go look in a courthouse. Almost very similar to what happened a year ago when I got a similar call saying, hey, go down to London and take a look at the court uh, filings there regarding a alleged sexual assault involving Team Canada players. And so in this case, it was a, a court filing in, in Kitchener that had escaped public attention. And uh, it's a, a wrongful death negligence lawsuit that have been, has been filed by the Teague's parents, Greg and Susan, against the Oakville Rangers, the coaches specifically, and the Ontario Minor Hockey Association. And the lawsuit alleges that um, Ben did not need to die and that the team coaches should have done a better job supervising uh, boys who were 16 and 17 years old when they went away in September 2019 for a team-building weekend uh, at a YMCA camp north of Toronto. And, you know, there, there is a certain overlap, I think, between this story and the other one you were referencing, which was uh, an alleged gang sexual assault at a junior hockey event. It just seems that there's an awful lot of, in junior hockey, first of all, let them behave as ever they want to behave. Um, there's often alcohol, and there's a lot of sort of sexualized activity. Yeah, uh, well said. Uh, you know, there's, there is this boys will be boys attitude. Um, I, 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 it's, it's a tough thing to kind of put your finger on what is hockey culture. We use this term so often. Uh, you know, there's, from some of the stories I've covered, I think there's something of an entitlement that comes along with being an elite hockey player, not having the same rules that others have had historically in society. Um, it's interesting. This is a real story of, of accountability and on what parents should expect. If you're if you are sending away your your child, uh, whether they're 10 or 16 or 17, if they're a minor, on an event that is sanctioned and supervised by adult coaches, what's the expectation that you have about how well they will be supervised? Um, you know, I think another one of the questions John this raises, and I hope every coach listening will, will hear this, if you are taking other people's children to a camp you don't know your surroundings. You don't know exactly where it is. It's in a remote part of the province. You need to know where you are. You need to know what the address is. You need to have an emergency plan. These, these things that I think sometimes people might gloss over, oh, well, something bad will never happen. We don't really need to get 
too invested in, in, in knowing all of that. Well, this is a great case, a great case study of why you do need to have that because things went bad and they went bad fast overnight. And I think it's clear, you know, from the reporting that we've done that people will see tomorrow night, you know, that, that, that this could have been handled differently. Have you, uh, you know, is, has the story been taken to another place or is there action in, you know, in the result of the investigation you've done? The police uh, in York Region have, are purportedly investigating. This is an active investigation. Um, you know, and I don't want to give away too much. I want people to, to, to watch this. Yeah. I think it's a really important story tomorrow night. But I will say that almost four years after Ben died at this team party, uh, his parents still have his cell phone. We know how closely tied everyone is to their cell phones nowadays, and we use them to capture sound and video and everything else. The York Regional Police have still not asked Ben's parents for his phone. What evidence might be on that phone that might show and offer a glimpse into what happened to him that night? And we, of course, did reach out to the, the Oakville Rangers and to the York Region Police. Uh, neither would come on camera to, to comment. And the organization's perspective, the Oakville Rangers' perspective, was that uh, they have a zero-tolerance policy for drinking and that the boys held this party without their knowledge. Rick, I'm looking forward to seeing the full story. Thanks for this. Much appreciated. Thank you. Rick Westhead of TSN, who did an investigative report for W5, the name of the young man, Benjamin Teague, 17 years old when he died in 2019. The report will air on Saturday on W5 at 7 p.m. In the next half hour, it's free-for-all round one. One of the many things we'll be talking about is... I don't. I wouldn't say, you know, the, the way to generate calls on a talk radio station would be to say they're going to ban cars in High Park as just one of the plans. Like everything else in Toronto, they've got 10 ideas. We're probably not going to settle on any. We'll argue about them forever. We'll make a choice. Then we'll relitigate it. Then we'll fight again. Um, but, yeah, one of the plans for High Park would be closing all the roads to traffic. The other is that some people would be able to drive on certain roads, but others would be closed to become more pedestrian friendly. So it's it's definitely a debate worth having. It's not entirely comparable or comparable to um, you know uh, Central Park in New York City because Central Park actually has roadways that for example you're in a cab they're just going to use that roadway to transit east west west east. Uh, High Park nobody really needs to drive through High Park which is probably why they're all speeding on West Park.